This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Cybersecurity can be a complex issue, but often the decisions made around it are by boardroom executives who may not have a technical background at all, let alone one in information security. That means it can be difficult for boards to fully understand the threats they face and how to defend against them. So what risks could this lead to and what needs to be done to better equip boardrooms around cybersecurity? I'm Danny Palmer. This is ZDNet Security Update. And with me to discuss this is Stuart Madnick, Professor of Information Technology at MIT Sloan Executive Education. Thanks for joining me, Professor Madnick. So first of all, what's the landscape like out there at the moment in what's a particularly challenging year for cybersecurity when we've seen things like the Kaseya ransomware attack and Colonial ransomware attack, uh, just as two examples, have major impacts on the world uh, around us, not just uh, boardroom cybersecurity? Actually, there's a number of key issues you brought up already. Uh, We have this executive program, as you mentioned, looking that's targeted at the non-technical executives and the main focus is what I call expose and explain myths, which really mean by this misunderstandings. One of the key ones is many people believe or assume that cybersecurity is primarily a technical issue, best left to those technologists down in the basement or wherever you keep them hidden. The reality is very, very different than that. And that's been the key focus. And that's why, as you mentioned, it's so important for board members and top executives to understand because they play a key role. So let me kind of explain why I say that and interrupt me at any time if you wish. Although technology is important, most studies indicate 70 to 80%, people argue it's now close to 90% of all cyber attacks are aided or abetted by insiders, usually unintentionally. So that's not something that's under the control of the information technology or the technologists in the company. It has a lot to do with the culture of the organization and the leadership provided by executives. So that's kind of the core issue that we're addressing. That's one of the things here that uh, when it comes to the use of technology, executives might not know that much about it. You hear various stories about executives asking, oh, why can't I access my corporate email on my personal iPad and that sort of thing. And when there's that disconnect uh, coming from the top on occasion, it can be difficult to bridge that gap, which is uh, something which is quite tricky uh, at the moment in particular, especially when at a time when a lot more people are using their personal devices for corporate work, uh, given uh, the pandemic. As you see, I'm speaking to you from my home here and a lot of people are still uh, in this remote place as well, which is kind of exacerbating some of the uh, unintentional security uh, breaches you just mentioned. Well, as, as you pointed out, uh, the, the issue is that there's a lot of things that we do with our computers. We don't realize the consequences of them. So if you give a friend of yours your password because you're busy, he's got to do something for you, then you basically expose a risk to your company. I'm sure all of your people, all of your friends, have got exposed by some email that says, hello, you just won a great lottery, or hello, there's some new news, just click here and give us some information. So these are the kinds of things that we as individuals do, not understanding the consequence of it. 
So one of the important issues that companies need to do is how to explain to their employees, first, the extent of risk. I mean, companies have been hit and have lost upwards of a, bi a billion pounds in some of these cyber attacks. So your little click can have massive consequences. Understanding what the risks are and how you can better got to get them is so important. So how do organizations start that process of uh, encouraging both the board level staff and the wider staff to know a bit more about this? I mean, we've all seen various things like uh, phishing awareness campaigns and that sort of thing. But when it comes to making sure people really know their stuff around this, uh, what needs to be done? Because it, it seems that, you know, as we've seen from various events uh, this year, uh, the, the threat is, is not going away anytime soon. No. If, if anything, if all the studies we have done is year on year, the number of breaches, the magnitude breaches have been increasing. So the trend is clearly in the wrong direction. And unfortunately, I don't see any easy way to turn that around. I don't see it happening in the near term. I think one of the most important things to realize is most of the education and training done, I think, is not very effective. Now, once again, I'm sure there are exceptions. And I'm not sure what the situation is in your organization or the other readers' organizations. But this 30-minute video you're obligated to watch once a year doesn't do the job. Uh, i give you an, an example. If you were to go into a factory nowadays, it's not uncommon that you would see a sign over the door that says, you know, 550 days since last industrial accident. Please don't set it back to zero. But when's the last time you went into a data center and saw a sign that said 50 milliseconds since last cyber attack? I mean, it's a whole different way of thinking. In manufacturing, they developed that way of thinking over decades. We've got to learn how to do that and do it a lot faster. So we've got to change that. The other thing, people don't really understand what's really going on behind the scenes of most cyber attacks. I hate to say this, but unfortunately, most news organizations only give the tip of the iceberg. One of the examples we use and we studied in great depth was about two years ago, there was a cyber attack at Equifax, a major credit reporting organization in the United States. And they'll talk there about how there was a misconfigured piece of software. So it sounds like, well, one guy was a little sloppy one day, they fired him or punished him, they fixed it, problem is gone. We looked into it and we found 19 management decisions that contributed to the event, almost none of which got any press coverage. So what happens is you assume it's a simple problem, you assume the solution is simple, and you go on about life, leaving the other 19 time bombs ticking away in your organization. That's why you need to look at the organization throughout, because there's so many ways in which these risks escalate. So how is it that organizations have got to this point where it's not just one uh, decision, as you said there, it's a note 18 or 19, which have all been made, none of which have really been picked up on as a potential cybersecurity risk, which have then you know, rolling into a big ball, which has led to you know, Equifax, you know, one of the major cyber events of recent years. So what's happening here and ha what needs to be done in order to uh, cut that off at the past, as it were, and you know, notice the, the risk you know, when there's just one issue rather than 10 or 20? Well, part of the problem is we, we have so little, you know, things like earthquakes and hurricanes, you know, we have hundreds or thousands of years of experience with. Cyber is so new 
that I don't think we really understand the risks involved. I'll give you kind of an example. In the analysis we did at Equifax, there were various times when members of the staff, either executives or technologists, said, well, I think we should do X, Y, and Z to make things better. And they said, well, let's not bother. They didn't realize that was a one billion pound decision. That's what it cost in the end by not doing it. So a lot of times they don't realize when they leave the back door open or leave the window unlocked, that they're exposing a company to a billion pounds of risk. And most of the decisions were that kind of decisions. We point out there were 19 occasions where Bayes said, this is not a priority. Maybe those exact words weren't used, but no one said, but we're willing to accept a one billion pound risk. No one had made the next step, which say, what is the risk you're now accepting? That's why you need to think about it from a risk perspective. And unfortunately, a lot of organizations aren't coming at it from that risk perspective. A lot of the time it will come from a financial perspective. One of the major events that hit the UK, where I'm based in recent years, was when WannaCry hit the National Health Service. Many of the NHS trusts where it had applied the critical patch that would have protected against that. But there are many which hadn't because NHS has a limited budget here and someone had obviously yeah. made decisions in those things. Okay, we can't afford to do that. We will you know, spend this on this instead. But then when the attack hits and your hospital is out of action for two weeks, that has some real world consequences. And the NHS has very much improved its IT uh, operation since then, it seems. But it seems that in many cases, getting hit is kind of the wake-up call that is the thing that wakes up some of these organizations. Unfortunately, it, it, you know, one of the stories someone gave me many years back is 50%, I was told 50% of all home burglar alarm systems are sold within two weeks after your house was broken into. <laughs> That's a little late to solve the problem. But the other thing which I think most people don't appreciate and why I think it's an important issue throughout society is what I call collateral damage. So, uh, for example, as you mentioned earlier, Colonial Pipeline, they're a company that supplies the fuel for, I think, 40% or some large percentage of the area of the, of the uh, East Coast United States. So it wasn't just Colonial Pipeline that was impacted. It's all the gasoline stations, all of the consumers. And sometimes the collateral damage can be tens or hundreds of times more devastating than the attack on the individual organization. It's one of those things where you see uh, ransomware attacks do seem to, uh, specifically or not, target hospitals in a lot of the time. And why ransomware is successful in many of these cases is because the hospital will decide, okay, we we have to pay this ransom because it's that or not to have our systems online. There was the case about the Irish healthcare service earlier this year where uh, in the end, they didn't pay a ransom because the attackers gave them the decryption key because yeah. it seemed they actually maybe actually felt bad about hitting the hospital. <laughs> but it still took the Irish healthcare system months and months and months to recover. Appointments were delayed. Uh, vaccination programs were had issues. Uh, all these sorts of things, all because of a cyber attack, which... Uh, ultimately, uh, I'm sure you know, once the uh, examination and analysis is all said and done, we'll, we'll come to the conclusion that this could have been prevented if you know, a few certain things like patching or not using default passwords, you know, the usual things you tend to see uh, after these major events uh, had, had been applied uh, prior to this. And it's the same with many other uh, types of ransomware attacks as well, particularly against, uh, you see here in the UK, a lot of attacks against universities, which are seem to be 
under attack uh, in particular right now because of the use of uh, lots of remote software because the way academia has been affected by the pandemic, there's a lot more uh, remote desktops and VPN connections and attackers know this, unfortunately. In fact, there's another complication. And this is where the role of you in in the news can be very valuable. A, A lot of times there are many incentives for organizations to downplay the impact of an attack. You know, it looks bad for them. It may encourage other attackers. It may, you know, make them eligible for lawsuits and so on. So there's a tendency to say, oh, yes, we had an attack, but no big deal. It's all solved. Normally, as you mentioned with the NHS, often these attacks have lingering consequences that run on for months. And so a lot of times the damage and the disruption is not exposed for good reason, for business reasons. But that also means other people may not realize the magnitude of the consequences. I recently was talking to some of my colleagues at one of the universities in the UK that was attacked. And some parts of the organization did not fully recover for over three months. Probably that's not in the press. They probably said, well, we're out for a week. Everything's fine now. But that means parts of it was back up in a week. Other parts took two weeks, months, many months. And so that truth as to what goes on and the consequences is often much, much worse than what you hear in the press, unfortunately. Why is it that many of these organizations aren't willing to uh, discuss this? Because sometimes I have uh, done articles and features where I've spoken to a company which has fallen victim to a ransomware attack and they've detailed what happened, uh, how they dealt with it uh, and how, and their plans to make things, make sure it doesn't happen again, which a lot of the people, people seem to go, okay, that's helpful. I can see how a company was affected by this. Uh, the, the National Cybersecurity Center here often details examples, uh, anonymized, exa- but examples of uh, cases where incidents have happened. So why is it that organizations are so reluctant uh, to discuss Discuss this. I mean, I won't name names, but there's a particular <laughs> local council uh, in the UK which has uh, a fell victim to a cyber attack, and a lot of experts on uh, cybersecurity have said this is a ransomware attack. But year on, they have never used those words. It's just a cyber attack. So I suppose the question here is: Yeah, why is it that a lot of organisations are so reluctant to discuss about this openly? Is there an element? of shame here, or, or as you said, there's the, the potential uh, legal or, or or other consequences as well they could face. Actually, actually, it's interesting you bring that up because it gives you it gives rise to an important dichotomy between the good guys, us, and the bad guys, if you will. Good guys have lots of incentives to not share the information. Now, you already rattle off many of them. It looks bad in the press. It possibly leaves them open to legal consequences and so on. It's exactly the opposite on the dark web. If you're the one who broke into Colonial Pipeline, you want to brag about it. It's part of your image, if you will. I am, And so in many ways, one of the reasons why it is very asymmetric, the good guys don't share the information. So the next guy down the street doesn't realize his neighbor was attacked and he's next. The bad guys are more than willing to share it. They may do it at a price. You want to know how I broke into that hospital? Here's how I did it. And you can break into those hospitals in Ireland or or someplace else for fee. So the the bad guys do a fantastic job of sharing their knowledge, sometimes with a price attached to it. And the good guys do a terrible job 
of educating each other and sharing the knowledge. And that just makes matters worse all the time. So what needs to be done in order to help encourage more organizations to uh, share information about this or be more open about you know, what happens uh, here? Because you know, we've had there's legislation in the United States being proposed. There's GDPR here, which has an element of having to disclose when a data breach happens, which happens a lot with ransomware attacks nowadays. So what else needs to happen in order to let allow people to be more open uh, about this, if, if that's even possible at all? Because as we've discussed, a lot of companies will try and keep uh, their cars as close to their chest as possible for uh, various reasons. Well, I do agree that the regulations and, and, and uh, attempts to get information shared uh, can be helpful, uh, but they don't always work very well. Uh, a lot of organizations view regulations as something which you have to find a way to accomplish with the least amount of effort and the least amount of exposure. And so in many cases, you really only get the tip of the iceberg there. It really has to be a change in mindset. I, I, I'm not sure if it's a good analogy or not. Uh, I think back to the nuclear age, we had this issue of mutually assured destruction, if you will. We have to realize that we're all in it together. And if we don't re, you know, share each information, help each other, we're all gonna go down the drain. Rand saying is, well, I'll just keep myself protected and let Danny worry about himself. But Danny's going to do the same thing to me. So we've got to realize we're in it together. It's, it's a whole change of mindset. And unfortunately, as you said I think earlier, until we have a really, really catastrophic disaster, it may be have difficulty in changing the mindset. So how can the, that mindset change? I mean, we, there's talk there's talk about you know, building a culture of cybersecurity, you know, having cybersecurity as uh, something that's built in from the ground up rather than just thought about at you know, the last minute or, 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 or even after a cyber attack. So what needs to be done in order to help ensure that there's a stronger culture of cybersecurity from the very beginning in order to hopefully uh, prevent uh, the, these catastrophic attacks? Well, I think there's many things. There are things we can do as individuals, the things we can do within companies. We've talked to a number of companies who are building a culture of cybersecurity. In fact, uh, there's a relatively new company in Brazil, very successful company so far, but one of its first hires was a cybersecurity evangelist. The idea was at ground zero, as was starting this company, we want everybody to be realize how important their role is in protecting our company. And I think most people are somewhat patriotic, I'm sure both in, in England and elsewhere. If somebody think you play an important role in defending your country, your company, it's important, but that's not something we've been used to in the past. So you have to help people to understand that. And part of that, and that's where an important role of you and your and media organization can play, is really helping people understand the magnitude of the risks they're taking on. It's amazing how many people I come across who assume the big issue with cybersecurity is someone stealing a credit card number. The reality of that is minimal. In the US, you're only uh, liable for like 50 pounds of damage, maybe a bit more in the UK, but the argument being is the actual magnitude of damage to companies can be in the order of a billion pounds of money stolen. But more importantly, and one of the things we're just beginning to see now are attacks on the cyber infrastructure of the organizations. As you mentioned, the hospitals, the power grids, you know, imagine the electricity of London going out, not for an hour and a half, not for a day, but for three weeks. 
that could be pretty serious. It hasn't happened yet, except in Ukraine. And it's coming to your local store soon. So these are the kinds of things that, unfortunately, are in the offering. And if we don't take this seriously and start taking it, you know, importantly, in our, in our way we operate, we're going to suffer serious consequences. That's why it's so important to help educate broadly the implications of cybercrime. Um, I make one last point. I, you, you didn't ask the question, but people often ask, are things getting better or are things getting worse? And my, you know, obviously nobody really knows. We'll, they, we'll do a re replay later on and figure it out. But my feeling is the worst is yet to come for several reasons. One is this asymmetry between the good guys and the bad guys. But if you think about it, <clears throat> computers are more and more in our lives. More and more of life depends on it, if you will. And so I'll give you an example. My wife bought a toothbrush recently. She had noticed it's a internet connected. Now, why would you have your toothbrush internet connected? Well, it turns out it downloads information to your smartphone to tell you whether you're brushing your teeth effectively or not. If you're a parent, you can monitor your children and say, hey, Danny, you only brushed your teeth for 30 seconds this morning. You got to brush for two minutes. And it can send a report to your dentist. So when you go for your checkup, he can tell you how you're doing. Now, I use that example. I'm saying almost every product, I used to say every product except a brick will have a computer in it until someone showed me an article about smart bricks. So the number of devices that can be cyber attacked is increasing exponentially. And some have been the number of refrigerators have been attacked. So that's what I'm saying. The attack surfaces are multiplying all over the place. And the consequence of these attacks are hard to imagine yet. So I suppose to, to conclude, really, uh, what are some of the things that organizations and I suppose individuals need to be doing in order to make sure that they, uh, their devices and their, their online accounts, their, their, their whole online persona, I suppose, is uh, safe or as safe as can be from uh, cyber attacks of you know, all sorts of different kinds? Well, I, 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 th you know, I think one aspect of it, and it's done in various different ways, is a broad awareness. I'm sure that many of your listeners are sports fans and they care about what the latest score was, what the latest game was, you know, who's been injured and so on. We need to almost kind of think of cybersecurity that same way. I mean, most people don't know the 150 hotels were attacked last week. Now, what you got to do is find the ones that are fun and interesting. So there was a hotel in Austria that had this ability to unlock your door from your smartphone. It was attacked and then all of the Numbers on all the doors were changed. The good news is you could get out of your room. You just couldn't get back into your room. And the point being is some of these are actually hilarious. I told you about the refrigerator being attacked. So while it was pumping out ice cubes, it was also sending off pornographic spam. And the joke I say, this is not true. Imagine the police breaking down your door and arresting your refrigerator. That didn't happen, but the first half did happen. But the point being is, there's almost one or two funny stories every day. If we incorporate them, and there is one company that has a weekly meeting to the, all, the, there's only like 100 employees, and they spend you know, a minute or two each meeting talking about latest interesting things happen in cybersecurity. And if people's attention gets as interested in that as the sports scores, we'll start to see a change in people's behavior. 
Well, hopefully we do start seeing that change soon before things get really, really bad. Thanks for joining me on ZDNet Security Update, Professor Madnick. And for more information on how to keep your organization and your own online life secure, be sure to like and subscribe to ZDNet YouTube channel. Of course, there's plenty of news, articles and features on ZDNet.com. Thanks for watching.